Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back, everybody. It's 1233 in northern Alberta. Bob Stauffer with you on Oilers Now, where guests receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. It's the greatest steak you've ever had. Follow the sizzle to 9990 Jasper Avenue and tell Chris and Chef Eltap that Oilers Now sent you. I'm here along with Brendan Escott, and we are going to head off to the River Creek Resort and Casino Hotline. And welcome back to the show, NHL insider John Shannon for Legacy Heating and Cooling. Whether it's heating or cooling you need, get it with no payments and no interest for a year. That's how you build a legacy. Legacy Heating and Cooling. Trust me, they'll look after you. All right, John, how you doing? I'm great, Bob. How are you? Good. We truly are in the dog days of summer, aren't we, here in the hockey world? Well, we're in that gap now between the end of free agency and then wanting to know what the heck's going on with some of the arbitration cases and also what's going on with that second tier of players that hasn't signed their new contracts. And we're sitting and waiting for some big names still to make sure that they can play in the NHL. I mean, I guess Vladimir Tarasenko is at the top of that list. Uh, now, was he was he rumored it was a win? Who was looking at him at one point? Well, Ottawa and Carolina, it's supposed to be a, right. a, a fight between those two for his services. And, and you know, I, 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 in talking to a few teams over the last couple of months, they really believed that there wasn't urgency to sign players. And as the summer went on, the prices would go down. And I think that's what we're probably seeing is prices going down. And, and we're all, I, I guess the other one, what we're waiting for, is what's going to happen with Eric Carls. Yeah. Uh, best bet there, John? I mean, the the hot rumor, and and the key word there is rumor. The hot rumor has always been Pittsburgh uh, for for Carlson because Kyle Dubas thinks he needs to make a splash with the Penguins. Uh, but we'll see what happens. It, again, uh, nothing needs to happen at this point. He can he's still got a long term contract with the San Jose Sharks, but the, the Sharks want him gone. He wants gone, and we're negotiating prices right now. I think. Yeah. You know, there's a guy that uh, I haven't minded with the Penguins, and he hasn't 
taking a... Uh, there's a couple of guys out there that are potential fourth-line left wings that are bigger bodies. Drew Connor, that's in Pittsburgh, and Brett Murray, that's in the Buffalo Sabres organization. And th- those two guys, if you're looking for something a little bit different, and I realize a lot of people think Edmonton needs a, f- a 4C. I wonder why they're not in the short term. Some combination of Holloway, Nugent Hopkins, or, or Derek Ryan could at least rotate through there. Um, but I wonder if uh, a couple of those players might make sense. As you know, one of those, a, a player like that of that ilk, might end up making sense. So we'll. See. Well, it, it all ends up being in the Oilers' case. Let's be honest. Uh, price now. Yes. Uh, I, I think the hope. I think the hope has to be that uh, you know that you know that uh, Derek Ryan becomes that versatile guy, and in in need of a fourth center, Derek Ryan becomes the fourth centerman. Yeah. All right, John, uh, and I gave you a little heads up on this, but uh, we're going to rely upon your years of experience because you have to be at least, oh, I don't know, uh, four or five years older than me. Uh, Harold Ballard. Uh, you know, ownership's a very unique thing. I, I For our younger listeners... Uh, you know they've had Daryl Cates as as an owner here in Edmonton, uh, and Daryl hasn't been that public and out there uh, a lot. That goes with you know he's sort of been uh, that's that's his style, his approach, and you know the team has signed all of their best players and gone max term lengths and been able to build a you know a brand spanking new building, and nobody could say that the Oilers didn't invest uh, back in the team. Uh, maybe you could educate our listeners on the uniqueness of uh, what Harold Ballard was in Toronto with first the Leafs and they, later on with the Ticats in Hamilton. Well, you know, he was a, an interesting start. He, he actually um, started a lot earlier than most people realize. He was, he was in the sporting goods industry and sold skates. Uh, was a big part of running the Toronto Marlboros when in junior hockey, before the draft, uh, there was sponsorship and you had two teams in Toronto, St. Mike's and Marlboros, uh, that fed the Maple Leafs. So he had a, he had a relationship with the Maple Leafs dating way back into the 40s when uh, the Smith family owned the team or, or managed the team. Uh, and then uh, through the 60s, uh, there was a triumvirate of Ballard, Bassett, and Smythe Jr. that uh, bought the team. Uh, there was a fight between those three guys. Bassett left. Uh, uh, Stafford, Smythe, and Harold shared the team. And then Stafford passed away uh, prematurely. And so by the early 70s, uh, Harold Ballard owned the team outright by himself. Uh, and it became a circus. He was uh, larger than life. Uh, he believed in self-promotion. Uh, he also believed a great deal in charity in Toronto. So there's lots of people that believe that Ballard was so good for uh, Easter Seals and uh, and other charities, including uh, Prince Ar- Princess Margaret Hospital, where his wife passed away. But Harold believed that he could control the front page of the sports page any day of any month, whether it was hockey season or not, uh, just by being outlandish. And the more the more outlandish he became, the more troubled his franchise became. And, and that truly was the factor through the 70s and 80s when he was the controlling uh, owner of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Did they not call it the Carlton Street cash box? I mean, it, it, they did. That was Toronto, Maple Leaf Gardens was, you know, 16,485 seats. 
that uh, you know there was never an empty seat. Prices were a little uh, more reasonable then, but uh, it, it was it was a basically an all cash business. And 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 what happened, Bob, in many years was um, Harold, in order to make money, leveraged Maple Leaf Gardens to uh, to the banks and sold portions of the of the team to the banks in order to get more money. And uh, so by the time he was into his uh, later years. Uh, he was at the whim of either Toronto Dominion or Bank of Nova Scotia uh, to to run the Toronto Maple Leafs. But but he was listen. He was an empresario. Uh, he he knew what ticked in this city every day, uh, and he knew how to make sure that the name Ballard or the name Maple Leafs was on the front page of the sports page every day. Uh, he brought Muhammad Ali up to fight. We've got Ken Lacusta coming into the studio a little bit later on. He, he brought Muhammad Ali up when Muhammad was not allowed to fight in the United States um, to fight George Chevallo, did he not? Yep. Yeah, Chevallo, I mean, if you go online, the Chevallo Ali fight at Maple Leaf Gardens is one of the famous uh, fights at the Gardens. And the Garden was, you know, in a, in a, in a time when big arenas were... Uh, weren't everywhere. Maple Leaf Gardens was a, a a major major venue for almost everything. It was whether it was the Beatles. Um, and the other thing that uh, Harold grasped onto very early in his tenure as owner was wrestling. Sunday night wrestling at Maple Leaf Gardens was sixteen thousand people every Sunday night. Frank Tunney was the promoter that Harold hired. Um, and for and for that reason, Toronto became a, a huge center uh, in the in the wrestling business for decades. I remember when I moved here, there was big as big a crowd to to watch the uh, watch the wrestling on Sunday as there was to watch the Maple Leafs on Saturday. I remember when the Leafs traded Lanny McDonald. Like I was like, what the hell are they doing? Like, yeah. well, that, but what happened? What happened there was uh, Harold. First of all, Harold fired Punch Imlac in 1969, and then Harold brought Punch Imlac back in 1979 uh, after Punch had gone to Buffalo and created a better franchise than the Maple Leafs were. And the problem with Punch was he was his time had expired. He was not uh, with the current style of game. He wasn't with the current style of player. And in order to break up the friendship, the partnership that Lanny had with Ian Turnbull, Boreas Salming, Mike Palmatier, and Daryl Sutter, uh, Daryl Sittler, rather, um, he thought he had to get rid of one of them. And he got rid of Lanny, uh, and he traded Lanny and Joel Quinville for Wilf Paymont. And it was a disastrous trade in so many ways for the Maple Leafs. Uh, it united Lanny with Don Cherry in Colorado, uh, but it put the Maple Leafs on a spiral through the whole 1980s, uh, that really never, it never got them out of trouble until Harold had passed away and new ownership came in. So the Leafs, uh, just just for our listeners, I mean, they won the three cups, 62, 63, 64. We had Brian Holland here uh, about a year ago talking about, you know, not. I mean, at one time, I know Wes Montgomery wasn't allowed to broadcast games in in Maple Leaf Gardens uh, for the Edmonton Oil Kings during the Memorial Cup. They weren't going to let him in. Uh, he was he was quite a 
confrontational character, but the Leafs actually last won the Cup in 67, which we've only rejoiced in on this show about 6,433 times. Uh, I mean, it's kind of crazy when you think about it that they haven't won since modern expansion took place. Um, Well, no team, I tell you what, no, no team, Bob, and, and this is, this is uh, Edmonton and Alberta are a part of this. No team reacted worse to the WHA than Toronto, than the Toronto Maple Leafs. The Toronto Maple Leafs and the New York Rangers reacted worse to the WHA than any of the teams, but the Leafs were by far worse. I mean, they they refused to pay. They you know, that's how they lost Dave Keon. Uh, and when you lost Dave Keon, you lost the heart and soul of the team. Right uh, in 1974. Uh, that was that was really a huge factor. The Maple Leafs. Now that said, I mean the most prolific and earliest superstar from Sweden came to Toronto and played for years, and that's Boris Salmi. Uh, However, so you, you, if I the, recall, the juxtaposition, the juxtaposition of not wanting to do things for one group of guys, but bringing Salming across was was truly amazing. Wasn't it? Wasn't Salming brought in while Harold Ballard was in jail and his son was running the team during that time? Uh, well, Jimmy Gregory was a certain was in charge of all of hockey operations while Harold was in Millhaven. Yeah, yeah, there's there's no question. That's and Harold Harold went to jail um, uh, for tax evasion. Yeah. So it, it was uh, it was one of those things that Jimmy with Jimmy and John McClellan, who was the coach, then Red Kelly. After that, they they actually start, started to improve the club, and then Harold came back uh, just in time uh, in seventy six, seventy seven to take credit, and then again in in seventy nine. I mean, let's remember uh, the the whole Roger Nielsen paper bag incident. That was Harold. That is what Harold would view that. That was a the fine moment. Tell a he story. Fired Roger. He had fired Roger on a Thursday in Montreal. Dick Beddoes chased him down the hall at the Montreal Forum saying, Harold, what are you doing with your coach? He's like, firing him. So that was in the Globe and Mail the next day. So Harold had no choice but to fire him because he had told Beddoes, and it was a quote. And then they tried, and then you know they tried to rehire Roger on Saturday morning, but the deal was with uh, uh, with with Harold. You can have your job back, Roger, but you have to wear a paper bag when you come out of the dressing room. Um, and and stand behind the bench. And at one point during the Saturday, Roger had agreed to do it. Um, Come and on. then he had close. Oh yeah. And 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 finally, close confidants of of Roger said, uh, Roger, that is the silliest thing we've ever heard. You know, you have the job. Don't do it. Uh, and finally, it was agreed. There was no announcement. But uh, after the anthem, Roger came out from his from his office at the dressing room to stand behind the bench to a standing ovation, um, at which point the Philadelphia Flyers were in town. And as you watched the game and the announcement of Roger returning behind the bench, Bobby Clark actually backed out of the face-off circle for the opening face-off to let the ovation go another 20 to 30 seconds. Is this after the two teams that played in the playoffs in back-to-back years and got Roy McMurtry got involved and because uh, the Broad Street Bullies were at their absolute yeah. height at that time? Yeah, yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah that was a- after that. I mean, that was yeah, that was a time when that was a time when the rival the Flyers Maple Leaf rivalry was as good as you could get in the National Hockey. Oh yeah. Yeah. John Shannon joining us for Legacy Heating and Cooling. John, uh, there's more on Harold Ballard that connects to the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, you mentioned the fact that, uh, you know, as owner of the Leafs, he had significant issues with the WHA, and he didn't like to share money. 
including television oh. revenue with Hockey Night Canada. And so the Maple Leafs were one of the organizers. Did he not vote against Edmonton joining the National Hockey League? Uh, as did the Montreal Canadiens, who were owned by Molson. It's amazing how I've been at events with people from Molson, and they're younger, and they don't know what happened with the Molson boycott. So perhaps you can shed some light on that. Well, I don't know whether, for a fact, Harold Harold or um, Senator Molson voted against the merger. Um, what I can tell you was that any controversy that started about Molson Brewery uh, being against uh, adding Winnipeg, Hartford, Quebec, and the Oilers to the NHL uh, changed the moment there were bullet holes put through the window of the Molson office in, in Winnipeg, uh, at which point um, people in Manitoba and the, the head, head office of and it was run, the prairies were run as a single entity for Molson then, that, that that forced the hand of Molson saying, this is getting too serious, we better actually accept it. What, but, but Bob, the one thing I can tell you, one of the great compromises of getting the Oilers and Jets along with the other two teams in the NHL is that they did not share TV money for five years. They were not allowed to get network dollars from Hockey Night in Canada for the first five years of their existence. Yeah, just just uh, reading here online, uh, the two sides came close to an agreement, the WHA and the NHL in 77, but the proposed merger was defeated by a group of hardline NHL owners. The NHL also initially rejected the 79 expansion agreement by one vote. However, a massive boycott of Molson products in Canada led the Montreal Canadiens, who were owned at that time by the aforementioned brewery, to reverse their position. Pretty sure I saw that I read somewhere that Ballard was against as well. well and, and then we got into the 1980s, and Ballard's still on well, the list. Let, let me just tell you one more story. One more quick Herald story was the league mandated for the first time ever that teams put the names on their backs on their sweaters, um, and that was a you know that was you know modernization. We saw it in, in the AFL. We saw it in other pro leagues, and we and the NHL deemed that it had to happen uh, across the, I, I believe it was at that point, 17-team league. And Harold fought it because he thought it would hurt program sales. Uh, Harold fought it forever. With us, so the, he, he was given a date in, in February in Chicago that he had to have the names on the back of the, of the jerseys. So he put them on, and there were blue jerseys, and yeah. he put blue lettering on it. Yeah, I remember that story. <laughs> And we should also mention, because I ended up meeting this guy later on, uh, and that's Bill Wirtz, into the 1980s, the NHL was basically run because Alan Eagleson, did he not combine with Ballard in the 72? Didn't the, wasn't the Summit Series training camp in Toronto at Maple Leafs Garden? Because uh, Ballard was no fan of unions, as you know, or workers' association, uh, associations. But Alan Eagleson, Along with Bill Wirtz, and who was the uh, the president of the NHL at that time, John, in the in the eighties, early eighties. Well, Clarence Campbell, Clarence Campbell was the president of the league in nineteen seventy two. Yeah, but by um, nineteen by nineteen eighty, we were looking at. Well, John Ziegler came in. John Ziegler, so nineteen seventy seven, I think. So Ziegler, Wirtz, and Eagleson pretty much ran the league, didn't they? Throughout most of the nineteen eighties. I think that would be for to, uh, fair to say. I still remember being part of a meeting with Ziegler and Eagleson in at Madison Square Garden in New York 
when they were they were debating the use of rink boards, sponsored rink boards that the CBC did not believe in, and nor did CBS, who were carrying the World Cup of Hockey uh, or the Challenge Cup of 1979, uh, and the giant fight that Eagle had with Ziegler in order to get it done, and it was there was no question that Alan Eagleson and John Ziegler were the the two point people in running the National Hockey League at that point. Yeah, and I mean, Alan Eagleson did all those international. I was, I was in Edmonton. So we might have people listening to the show right now that would remember this game. There was a moment of silence in Edmonton for Valerie Harlamov, uh, the great Russian player who died uh, in a car accident. That's what they called it. it, it he died in a, he passed away in a car accident. Well, you know. Yes. And Harlamov, let's face it, Harlamov was viewed as the greatest player outside the National Hockey League and maybe the greatest right. player of all time until until number 99 came along. Right, and, and they had the moment of silence. The Russian players were visibly uh, taken aback by it. That was at uh, the yeah. Northlands Coliseum. But with those international events that Eagleson was a part of, uh, he pretty much lined his pockets, didn't he, John? You know, this was at a time where the, you know, the the invention of the Canada Cup that started in 1976 uh, and carried through to 1987, uh, with Allen being part of it, uh, he, he had promised players uh, a certain portion of uh, the funds uh, went to um, uh, went to the the players' union and to the pension for the players. I mean, in 1972. The, the players that led by Phil Esposito were promised a million dollars to go to their pensions, and they never saw a penny of it, uh, which which really was the beginning of the end, and it took them another 15 or 16 years to finally get rid of Alan Eagleson at the Players Association. Yeah. Thanks for taking us down this path. Uh, CBC Gem has a um, doc out on um, Alan or on uh, Harold Ballard. Harold. Yeah, it's pretty. Uh, Ralph Mellaby was on. I, I saw was uh, interviewed for that, as as well as Alan Eagleson. So those... yeah, I tell you what. If you go if, if you go on YouTube and and Google and and, and mention uh, Harold Ballard Fifth Estate. Harold Ballard Fifth Estate. There is a 35-minute documentary that was hosted by Adrian Clarkson, who was one of the finest journalists the CBC ever created and became the Governor General. That, to me, is the ultimate Ballard documentary because it was at a time when Harold was still alive and it was all exactly the way Harold would describe things. And this is at a time, too, when he owned the Tiger Cats in Hamilton and loved nothing better than to rub championships in the faces of Toronto Argonaut fans. Uh, he was a guy today that would have been cancelled every day. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Awesome stuff. Thanks, John. Have a great day, Bob. That's uh, John Shannon. It's 12.55 in Edmonton. We'll take a quick time out. This is Oilers Now. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify.
With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Let's go to a quick couple texts on the Ashley Pine Flores text line. They call me Bruce, says Bob. When Harold Ballard owned the team, you could buy a Leafs $10 ticket for $25 bucks from the scalpers on the street. Who worked for him? <laughs> we used to. When inside the gardens, you could purchase Tiger Cats souvenirs at the table uh, because Harold owned the team. It was truly a one-stop shop. Again, you can text us at 780-496-0063. Ice Castles Brad says genuinely loves story time with Uncle John. Uncle John. John John Shannon. Uncle John. There you go. Well, we're going to have more stories coming up. We're going to talk about a guy that uh, talk with a man who has sparred with some of the greatest heavyweight boxers of all time and has stepped in the ring with some of them as well. He's fought George Foreman. Uh, he fought hard-hitting uh, Tommy Morrison back in the day. Trevor Burbick, Razor Ruddock. Uh, he is a Edmonton sporting icon himself. Kenny Lacusta coming up. Do you want to mention to you the Oilers Now Injury Reports brought to you all season long by James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. Tearing his ACL last year playing just four games for the Washington Capitals was Connor Brown. He signed on a heavily bonus-induced contract with the Edmonton Oilers. He is in Edmonton as we speak. Off to a global news weather traffic update. Evan Cook back with Kenny Lacusta when we return.